Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, December 21st, 2020, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 2, page 23, the fourth paragraph, The Tragic Truth Is, and we're reading that one paragraph. And today's readers are, and thank you for stepping up and giving service, for the 12 steps, Katie G., for the 12 Traditions, Lindsay W., and reading the text are Nancy P. and Barbara E. The reference number for Sunday, December 20, 2020, um, special edition is 16,028. That's 16028. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie G. to read the 12 steps. Hi, Katie F. Thank you for your service. Katie G. recovered in Boston. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Okay, (laughs) I will now ask Lindsay W. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, this is Lindsay W., a compulsive overeater in Houston, Texas. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, that our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, Katie. I pass. Thank you so much, Lindsay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose will rem reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Excuse me, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study on the big book, of the big book on page 23, the fourth paragraph, the tragic truth is, and reading one paragraph only, and I will ask Nancy P. to begin reading. Good morning. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, this is Nancy P. calling in, recovered from West Newton, Massachusetts, right next to Boston. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may never may not arrive. He has no control. He has lost control, sorry. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. Okay, let me just start my timer here. So, um, you know, I have written down, and I say this to all my sponsees. In fact, I was frantically looking for it last night when I was working with a sponsee. There's four words in this book that are... Um, uh, really important, and they are absolute, utter, complete, nothing, and uh, I wish we get the last one. There's one more, but um, 
perfectly. And, um, you know, so here we are again. I have absolutely no control. So there's no wiggle room. They all mean the same thing. Yet me, the real compulsive overreader, I always had that lurking notion that I was, could somehow beat the game. And, you know, everybody else knew. It's like being gamed by a toddler. They think they're going to figure out a way. And, you know, me, the parents, my kids, when they were little, you know, it was laughable. You know, and people that are not compulsive overeaters, all the frothy emotional appeals, they just don't get it. And neither do, did I. I didn't get it either. And the thing that, that you know, long before I suspected, I mean, that makes me laugh because I suspected nothing. I suspected that I somehow was going to be able to, to beat this game. And um, it wasn't until my, the pain in my life got so big, so great, so encompassing that I was forced to admit that I had no control. I was forced to admit that my life was unmanageable. I was forced to admit that I was a real compulsive overeater with real, you know, the real consequences. And um, I don't know, I don't recall passing into a state of anything. I just, I can recall when I was in nursery school going on play dates and asking if we could have something to eat. I mean, even then, um, you know, and it wasn't, in the end, it turned out not to be a tragic truth at all. I just said to a friend on the phone the other day, I'll be 61 in February, and I came into a vision for you on December 1 of 2017. But I've been in Overeaters Anonymous since 1971. So for 47 years, I had a lurking notion that I could somehow beat this game. And I recovered three years ago in in a little bit. And um, I don't know if I could have handled the joy if I had done this when I was in my 50s or my 40s or my 30s. You know, I don't know. I mean, the, my life is second to none, and it's still chock full still with problems. I mean, my life is not perfect, but none of it owns me. I'm not above it or below it. I just coexist. It runs parallel to my life. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't own me. I'm free. I can go where free women can go. The problem has been removed. I'm safe and protected. Every single thing that it says in this book, every single one without exception, has come true for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Barbara, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Thank you, Nancy P. And um, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So we're on page 23, the fourth paragraph, the tragic truth is, who would like to share? Melissa C. Deanna P. Liz from the UK. Barbara E. Okay, let me just stop there for one second because I'm um, not sure who I heard. I heard Melissa C. Was that Deanna P? Adriana P. Rihanna, could you spell it? A-D-R-I-A-N-N-A, Adriana. Adriana, okay, thank you so much. Okay, so Melissa C., Adriana C., Liz from the U.K., and Barbara E., who else? Tom A. Tom A. Kim T. Kim T. Okay, well, that's a good group. Um, Melissa C., Adriana T., Liz from the UK, Barbara E., Tom A., and Kim T. Go, go ahead, please, Melissa C.
Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And you know, um, it, how could it be that the most powerful desire to stop didn't give me the power to stop, right? And you know, for what, what it means is that the desire was not strong enough to control my eating, and you know. That's just insane if you think about, like, that's crazy that you can want something um, so badly that and makes all sense but can't can't do anything about it. And, you know, my experience was, um, you know, like 11 years ago, right, I would lie in bed every night, night after night after night, crying um, because I had, like, the most painful heartburn um, from all all that I had eaten all day, I couldn't digest my food, and I would lay in bed. Um, I couldn't lie flat on my back because of my sleep apnea and because of the heartburn. And um, and I could feel I had dangerously high blood pressure. Um, my feet were swollen. I could hear my ears pound, like my heart pounding in my ears. And, you know, my husband would be sleeping beside me, my kids across the hall. I had, like, a baby at the time. You know, he was, like, two. And I was scared that I was going to die in the middle of the night. I mean, like, all of these things, desire, desire, desire. I really, really, really wanted to stop, and I couldn't. Because every morning I would, like, once again, it would, like, I'd be pouring sweetened creamer in my coffee. I couldn't make it out of the door without it, um, even though just a few hours earlier I'd been seriously crying. Um, you know, I, I needed to start my day with a little bit of that drug. And, you know, by the time I got in the car, that desire that I had, like, laid in bed at night weeping about, um, somehow I was like a magnet getting pulled through the drive through And I did this over and over and over again, like for years. And, you know, and then there were times when I would just say, I don't care who cares. It was as if I, and I would say, I don't even have the desire anymore. And you know what? I, I realize now that was a lie. It just hurt too much to care that much and be unable to do anything about it. And, you know, what it what it really means for me is that desire is no match for an addiction. You know, what I needed was something even more powerful. I needed a miracle. I needed, like, to step in take over, you know, desire, wanting, wishing, longing, lusting. It's not enough. What I really need is trust and reliance. And um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And now we'll have Adriana T. followed by Liz in the U.K. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. Thank you for your service today. This is Adriana T. recovering in Michigan. And um, this paragraph really reminded me today of um, that analogy I heard when I came in last year from a fellow that um, once a cucumber Oops, we lost you, Adriana. Um, There you are. Oh, can you hear me now? Okay. Um, It took me a long time to – thank you – to realize that I was pickled, that I was a compulsive overeater. Um, my first meeting in OA was in 2008, and it took to coming back this last year to really be done. And when I really think about what event really kind of sealed the deal for me, 
was um, I was seven months pregnant with my son in 2018, and um, I found out I had gestational diabetes, and I went to the class. I was all gung-ho that I was going to follow the diet, and um, there were several times where I was just rising in pain, you know, just emotional pain on my bed, begging my husband to get me stuff I shouldn't have, um, and, you know, binging when he wasn't around, and then being deathly afraid when I saw how high my sugars had gone, and... Um, yeah, so just insanity that, you know, like has been said, all the desire in the world to do the right thing for my own health and my child um, wasn't enough for me. Um, and then after the pregnancy, when I could eat whatever I wanted again, I literally gained 50 pounds within months. Um, it was just horrifying. At that point, I just really knew that I had this thing and I needed to do something about it. And um you know, I'm just grateful that there is a solution and that um, I keep coming back even after a relapse and willing to work the steps again. I really think that's the grace of God in my life because the old me would have gave up and uh, the compulsive overeater in me would have went back. So um, I just am so grateful to be here. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Liz from the UK and Barbara E. is next after her. Oh, good morning, good afternoon, uh, beautiful people, and thank you to Katie and everybody doing service here today. I'm just so grateful. For, oh, sorry, I'm Liz E., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the UK, um, and um, just so grateful um, to be here today, and so grateful for this meeting, because it is because of the grace of God and discovering this meeting and my amazing sponsor, who is probably on the line, um, that I am in recovery. And it is unbelievable. So the phrase that stood out for me, he has lost control. It's only now when I look back that I had lost control. I thought I was completely in control. But boy... What a powerful thing my head is, my mind is, that I believed that the insane way that I was living my life, and it wasn't just the food, it was around the behavior that I was adopting at work, at home, in my social life, in every part of my life was out of control. I thought I was one of these really kind of accommodating, flexible, cooperative, facilitative, use all those words. And I now know that I used everything to manipulate my access to food. So I would be the one that said, oh, let's all come round to my house for the meal and I'll do the shopping, et cetera, et cetera, and da 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 da, da. And um, why? Because I now know because I needed to control the amounts of food, the type of food that was available. And to us, everybody would say, Lee, why so much food? There are five of us. It looks like you're feeding 30. Well, I said, we're not. And I would say, jokingly, we're not on rations. 
so as to make people kind of feel bad. And um, I would serve up enormous quantities. And so I did this for everybody else um, because I needed them to join in with this mad world that I inhabited. And I didn't realize that, um, you know, I wanted to be slim. I wanted to eat like normal people. But I could not make the connection. I kept saying that I want to go to PC World, that's like a computer shop here in the UK, and get new software for my head. And actually, that's quite true. But coming to Vision for You, I am getting that new software. I am rewiring my head. This big book has got all the answers. And for anybody new on the line, just really encourage you, it's just keep doing just today and um, keep coming back. And I always welcome um, outreach calls. I'm Liz E for Elegant UK on the phone list. And with that, I'll leave it there. And thank you so much to everybody on the line. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Liz. Okay, Barbara E, you're up, followed by Tom A. Good morning, everyone, and happy Monday to you, and thank you for your service. Well, I am definitely insane when it comes to food. In other aspects of my life, I consider myself normal, but I feel like my brain is divided in two parts. The part that says I have a physical and mental, I have a physical allergy, and the other part of my brain says, I have a mental obsession, and the problem is that I have a lack of power, and which always wins when I'm in a battle, the physical side or the mental side, the physical side, because all I can do is think about the food, think about it, think about it, my mouth waters, I can't stop thinking until I have to have it, and then I don't even really taste it. I throw it down my mouth and just chomp it like it was nothing. But there is a solution, and the solution is this big book, The Steps, You, My Brothers and Sisters, which is the fellowship, and this spiritual experience that affects the change that I so desperately needed. So I had to make a decision, a turning point. Did I continue to keep on eating? and risk insanity or death? Or did I go through door number two and accept spiritual help and recovery? Of course, I'm not that insane. I took door number two. And when I got a sponsor, I was so very lucky because she said, why are you doing it? And why are you doing this now? You've been dieting for all your life, Barbara. Why now? And I said, because I'm hopeless. I know I will die from this disease. I've been doing it for 50 years, wandering in the desert like Moses and his followers, gaining and losing hundreds of pounds and still gaining it again. What kind of crazy person would do that? And she said, well, if you're really willing and you're really willing to roll up your sleeves and do everything I tell you, we will work together, and I promise you, 
you will recover. But you can't skip any of the steps. You can't say yet but or yes, may, yet maybe. You have to say yes, ma'am. And I did. And it worked. And I don't know why it worked. But I knew that I'd taken the right course by taking step number two, door number two. Because I have a mind that will always take me back to the food. And I don't want to go back there again. Because once I started eating, I couldn't stop. No matter how much I want. Time, please. Perfect timing. I'm stopping now. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Barbara E. Okay, Tom A., you're up, followed by Kim T. I'm sorry, can you please tell us what we read this morning? Yes, uh, we're on page 23, the fourth paragraph. The tragic truth is. Thank you. This is Tom Go ahead, Tom. Uh, yeah, thank you, Katie. Thanks for the service. I somehow thought we were on the following paragraph, but uh, it's fine. Because uh, I really like the last sentence in this paragraph, that this tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. Uh, I, I've been in OA for 40 years, and... Uh, I came because I lost 80 pounds three different times on diets and it was time to go on another one and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't face it. And I had uh, come to grips with my alcoholism six months before and I was, uh, and I, I, but I was afraid to come and get help and surrender. And, and I, came, I, I basically surrendered that I was powerless over sugar and uh, the desire to eat sugar was removed almost immediately and I haven't eaten it. And, you know, but the tragic situation is that is not the total truth. <laughs> uh, it's not that I'm addicted to sugar. I'm a compulsive eater, overeater, and I'm addicted to other things as well. And I couldn't see that. And the uh, in the 12 and 12, Bill Wilson says that uh, uh, who cares to admit complete defeat, practically no one. And that's what my journey in 12 Steps has been, is sort of admitting complete defeat uh, around food and turning it over to my higher power. And so I was an incrementalist. I, it took me a while to admit I was powerless over flour, and I did that. And then I found out I was addicted to caffeine, and I... Uh, it was one of the worst withdrawals of my life. And, and a couple of years ago, I realized that I was, I, I sort of believed in being uh, 90% abstinence, that I, I like to have the right to take, have my comfort foods every once in a while when I got emotionally, it was too much for me. And the higher power gave me the gift to see that that was crazy, that that was going to lead me back to full-blown uh, addiction and so I became willing to surrender everything and so I've been on that path of taking the vagueness out of my food through the steps and through working with a sponsor and uh, going back through the steps and I've been coming to these meetings for about uh, four or five months and just find it very helpful to go through the, the book one paragraph at a time I used to think that was crazy 
that you could spend a whole meeting on one paragraph, but I uh, find the shares uh, rich and the, the, the reality that the answer is in the steps. Uh, and that's the only answer that if I work these 12 steps. Time, please. Uh, yep, uh, I recover. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tom. Okay, Kim T, you're up. And then we'll open it up for more shares on the on page 23, the fourth paragraph, the tragic truth is. Go ahead, Kim. Good Hi, good morning. This is Kim T in Northern Michigan. Um, I just what reminded me of when I first started OA, I was explaining to my 11-year-old daughter that, um, you know, why did I have this AA book with me all the time and why I was going to meetings. I said, actually, Sarah, you know, mom has a problem with food. And she, without missing a beat, said, well, duh. Um, here I had been fighting with it for three decades, and my daughter, who's 11, totally knew what was going on. Um, and then when I, I relapsed um, a few months later, my daughter said, Mom, you're not listening to meetings anymore, and you're so angry. I was back to being the tyrant in the morning, so just intolerant and short with everybody, um, and everything was affecting me. I wasn't affecting them. Um, so I'm not, I want to say knowing that I was hurting my daughter, that I was the humiliation of my husband finding candy in my makeup bag or tucked here and there knowing I was hiding it. Um, the humiliation of becoming someone that lied to my sponsors and um, just, I want to say that all stopped me, but it didn't. None of that mattered. The fear of being caught, you know, taking food from family and all of that stuff, none of that mattered. Um, it had to get to a point where I was in so much pain that I couldn't live with who I was anymore. I was at the bottom of a peanut butter cup bag and I don't, I don't understand it. I, I still don't understand it and I don't have to. I just know that it finally got to the point where my willingness to do anything, my willingness to be rigorously honest, and I mean like I told my sponsor this time every little weird thing, the licking my fingers or um, eating that one little piece of yam on the counter that was left or it didn't matter. I told her my weird thoughts, my everything, being transparent, that willingness, little bit little by little allowed for God's grace and I'm so thankful for this fellowship I'm thankful for the people that don't judge me I'm thankful for a God that loves me enough to let me get to that desperate point where I'm willing and to do anything thank you all for your service and thank you for being here have a great Monday take care Thank you, Kim, so much. And so we're um, going to take another round of, of shares. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. And we're on page 23 in Interaction, the fourth paragraph. 
I mean, there is a solution. I don't know, whatever the chapter's called. And um, page 23, the fourth paragraph, the tragic truth is. Who would like to share? Lisa B. Lisa B. Ken what? W-H. Ken W-H. And there was someone else. Lauren G. Lauren G. Sandra B. Cassandra. Sandra. Okay, just Sandra. Okay. Myra. Myra. What's your initial, please? Sorry, B. She is in boy. B is in boy, yeah. Okay. I can take a few more. Trisha D. Trisha D. Okay, well, we'll go with that lineup. So we have Lisa B., Ken W.H., Lauren G., Sandra B., Myra B., and Trisha D. And if you're not Lisa B., please mute your phone. Hi, good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do spell my name L-E-S-A. Thank you for your service. I love this reading, and I'm grateful to hear the shares that I've, that I've heard so far. Um, the word that, you know, I love the word control because I'm not able to control and enjoy my food, and I've never been able to control and enjoy my food. And I can remember the day when I stepped over the line where an uncontrollable binge happened, and it was in my first apartment I was maybe 22 or 23, and I went through a whole loaf of bread making peanut butter toast, and I could not stop eating it, and it really scared me. And I called my mother and had her come over, and she said, that's exactly how your brother is with cocaine. And that's when I began to see that, you know, maybe this is an illness, just like a drug drug addict or an alcoholic. And, you know, the thing for me today that, that scares me where I am today as a recovered person is it's the subtlety. It doesn't come in like with a big, you know, horns and flags. And, you know, when the illness of relapse happens so long before the food, you know, comes into my mouth, it's so long before that it's in my, my attitudes and letting things go, letting go of my my relationship with my higher power, minimizing things. So it's the subtlety and the minimizing that I have to watch out for today. Actually, I don't even really want to watch out. I just want to put myself in my higher power's hands and do everything I did in the very beginning when I came here to this um, OA meeting and when I got a sponsor. I still do all the same things that I did when I first started working with my sponsor. And it says the tragic situation has already arrived. So it's like already there before I see it. You know, it was there a long time before I see it. And um, I need to keep hearing you guys every day. And I need to stay in this work, working with other sick, compulsive overeaters that are not yet recovered so I could um, be reminded. So that's what I wanted to share. And I'm just really, really glad to be here. I pass. Thank you, Lisa, with an E. Okay, Um, Ken W.H., it's your turn, followed by Lauren G. Thank you so much. This is uh, Ken W.H. in North Carolina, uh, recovered 
and recovering and still in process. Thank goodness I'm still in process. Um, I'm just struck by the uh, wanting, 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 wanting to be well, desperately wanting to be well, that other people wanted it more than I did for so long. I just, um, I could just never get it all together to stop. Uh, I thought I could. I, I thought I wanted to it at some different times. And uh, it isn't until I've um, come to the place where I realize and have learned that my will is of no avail um, when it comes to stopping. My will by itself is just unable to do it. Uh, what I've come to understand and learn, and it's maybe one of the great gifts I've received over the years, is to understand uh, from even from the ancient languages the, the sense of God's will, what's that all about. And embedded in that phrase, God's will, uh, what is God's will for me, is a deep longing and desire uh, for my best. Uh, it's it's that longing. It's that God wanting for me what what I couldn't grasp for myself, um, or even know that I fully wanted. Uh, coming to learn that that God has my best interest in mind, that that all I needed uh, in my life was God, and um, and then to. Um, move into exercising that will for me and and to start owning that desire, that longing that God has for my best, to want it for me too, um, for me to want it, just like that, to have that deep, long desire to be well. Um, I have that, and I have a disease that keeps talking to me and telling me, oh, that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> That's Hallmark cards. Come on, Ken. But uh, I'm in process, and I'm so, so very thankful to all of you. Thanks. I pass. Thank you so much, um, Ken, WH. And Lauren G., you're up, followed by Sandra B. Lauren G., we cannot hear you. Star one, please. Hi, Lauren G., can I be heard? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to talk about how my um, eating disorder had started. Back in college, I was with a housemate. Um, we were up one early, early one Saturday or Sunday morning. Couldn't find anything in the refrigerator, eat anything that was healthy. And she said... Um, I know how we can do this. She said, I know how we can you know, eat, eat all these, this bag of donuts or box of donuts and not have it affect us. And I said, really? How, how is that? So she said, we proceeded to eat some donuts. And she said, well, follow me. And I walked, she walked me to the bathroom and she stuck her finger down her throat and uh, purged the donuts. And I thought, wow, that's, I don't know if I thought it was amazing or cool or, Inside, I, it was obviously, uh, there was a, a, a disgusting part of it. So, uh, not right away, a few years later, I, I um, started that process. 
uh, the stressors of life and after graduating college and uh, careers and uh, kind of a living a fast lifestyle. Um, uh, so that was my way, my go-to to release stress. I knew it was something crazy, couldn't figure out why my brain was doing that and um, went to therapies, uh, different therapists who didn't really, back in the 80s, didn't really understand it. Um, but I thought my own um, solution was it to, if I'm going to do that, any time I do engage in that behavior, I would sort of follow it up with a bowl of broccoli or, or Brussels sprouts. Or I was trying to um, outmatch, kind of if that was a negative in my life, I was going to, to do these other things that were positive and make sure I brushed my teeth right away so I, I wasn't hurting my teeth and make sure I coated my stomach with milk or a banana so I wouldn't uh, have damage, you know, uh, to uh, my esophagus. Um, so I did that and thought, I thought I had the answer. I did that, um, unfortunately, for many decades. And it wasn't until, you know, uh, in my early 50s and some medical diagnoses uh, that weren't uh, all that great where I really had more, had to do some more self-reflection. Uh, obviously, the disease over the couple of decades progressed and uh, got worse, uh, even though my effort, despite my efforts to say or think that if, as long as I'm, and, and my positive is going to outweigh the negative in my life, and eventually this negative thing in my life will just fall away. Um, but it never did. And it can get worse, and um, and I do have medical complications. And I just wanted to say the vision for you is the thing that has made the most sense in my life. Um, and how it pertains to the paragraph is the tragic truth is my way didn't work. I think it kept things um, didn't have as much damage as normal. Uh, but I was definitely down for the count longer than uh, way before I suspected. And I'm grateful for everyone online. Thank you. Pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Okay, Sandra B., you're up, followed by Myra B. Good morning. This is Sandra B. from Houston, Texas. Um, first of all, grateful and thankful to be here. Not completely recovered. Still on step four. Um, I guess to me what strikes me is the, is the last sentence where it says a tragic <clears throat> excuse me, situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it's suspected. I think sometimes, I think sometimes in my mind, way before, um, I, way before I had come to the realization that I was a compulsive overeater, um, I've always known deep down inside, and every time that thought of eating something, um, the reality was I always knew it, it was, even though, um, you know, when I did try to make all efforts and stuff, by that time, it, it was always too late for me. Um, I had always known, I had always felt, you know, the, the difference and, and had always known not, you know, it just wasn't like, um, like if I didn't, it wasn't something like a surprise to me, like, oh, my God, you know, I'm a an overeater. I'm a compulsive overeater. It wasn't like that for me. It's always been something that I've always known. It's just maybe for me it just wasn't that I didn't want to um, accept the truth and that I just wanted to lie to myself. Um, but I guess, you know, to me that's that's one of the, the things that I see now that it's like, when when I'm reaching for something or just when that thought that or the no thought comes in of just grabbing something, um, 
comes in, you know, I realize that I'm I'm able to stop now and to think and and you know watch the process that I'm I'm doing or I'm I'm able to recognize the actions that I'm about to take. And now, you know, working with these steps and, and you know, uh, turning it over to my higher power, I'm able to realize that, hey, you know, stop, this is what's going on. Whereas, you know, before I, I didn't. Um, but I've always, I guess, you know, it's been, for me, it's always been something that I've always known, you know. I guess I just would lie to myself, but I'm working on those steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. Okay, thank you so much, Sandra B. And Myra B., you're up, followed by Trisha D., and then we should have time for a few more. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Myra, I'm a compulsive eater from Michigan, and great both of me on the meeting. Um, I am a um, definitely in my relapse right now, which is not pretty, um, and so I'm grateful to get on the phone this morning and listen to this reading, and it's um, I just have to read it to myself because it's so where I'm at right now. The tragic truth is that if the man be real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. Um, he has lost control. Sorry. Alexa, cancel. Sorry. Um, and I'm going to start crying because <clears throat> I'm, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm just in a lot of pain right now with the food. Oh. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just sick. Um, put my name out um, a couple weeks ago um, as a, a new member or what have you. And uh, a lot of you reached out to me, and I thank you. And I didn't pick up the phone because I had made a decision that I was just going to keep eating. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm sick and tired and exhausted and have lost connection with my higher power. And uh, this is what happens when, you know, I make a decision to turn to food instead of turning to a program or turning to my higher power. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I've lost the power to choose right now. Um, and um, it's painful. So um, I just needed to share that today. Um I needed to say that out loud. I needed to hear myself say that you're sick and you need help and you need a sponsor and you need to do the things. I shouldn't say need. I want to do the things that um, I need to do in order to be well. Um, and I don't want to say again because I don't know if I was ever, ever, ever been well or I've never been recovered. So um, with that, um, again, just thank you for um, being on this meeting today. Uh, I really needed to hear what was said, and that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Myra. Okay, Trisha D., you're up. Uh, can you hear me? This is Trisha D. from Georgia. Yes, I can. Yes. Good morning. It's so, so good to be on this line today. This paragraph is truly hits me between the eyeballs. It says here where he has lost control. Um, I definitely had lost control. And it further says the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. No avail. And it was and it was um, already arrived 
taxing long before it was even suspected. Um, I have been a member in OA and, and recently now joined Vision for You. And I tell you, um, I, it is such, such a gift. My will cannot overcome my disease. And I am so thankful, so thankful that this this addiction that I have to food is it's a gift for me now. I see it now from from God that it is a gift because I want to be in control. And I'm the sugar is I'm so obsessive about it that I was in such denial that I developed an autoimmune disease where I totally lost seventy percent of my liver. And three and a half years ago, um, it had gone into cirrhosis of the liver stage four. Totally, sugar was eating my liver. And so I had a transplant three and a half years ago, and I'm doing fabulous now because I'm back on my abstinence and on food plan. But I have found that if I don't connect with people, I will fall right back into my denial and my head will take over and my brain will say, I am fine. I can handle this now. I have this new liver. It doesn't matter. My feet will still swell and, you know, I will be gaining weight and I will be obsessively thinking about what can I eat. And it's sugar, it's flour for me also. So um, out of shame and sadness, I came humbling back to, um, to and so thankful for a vision for you. The people I have met and the outreach of this program is just blows my mind. I'm so, so touched by everybody. I need the connection. And uh, the, the calls I receive is just, just touches me beyond comparison. The, um, I now have a sponsor and I've been abstinent seven days now. And I feel so, so loved and appreciated and just knowing that I'm, um, that I have a beautiful family of a vision for you that I can reach out to. And I just, just thank you. Thank you all so much. And I appreciate you letting me share. Well, thank you, Trisha D. Okay. So we do have time for a couple more shares. Who would like to share on page 23, the fourth paragraph?
uh, and this morning I read um, agnostics, and this is on 49, agnostics and atheists choose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. Wasn't that rather vain of us? And step two is, um, you know, about sanity. And I did come in for the vanity, but I stayed for the sanity. And that is what this program has given to me. It's I am so powerless, but also my life was unmanageable. I, the food at times I could control, but my life I couldn't. And that is only because of my will and my self-sabotage with my bondage to self. And the propaganda in my head today with God's grace is alleviated by working the steps, cleaning house, and helping others. And um, somebody shared on Saturday about being a maid, made a decision. And today I'm a maid to God's will. I do his service. And that makes me came to believe that power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Loretta. And Katie, if you don't mind, you have two minutes. Sure. Katie, Katie G. G. recovered in Boston. You know, I hear people say my drug of choice is food. And, you know, what this is telling me is I have no power, no choice, and no control. Because when I put certain foods, ingredients, and behaviors into my body, it sets up an uncontrollable craving for more. And then the other tragedy is that I can't stay away from it. You know, and, and coming into Overeaters Anonymous, I didn't understand the disease. I thought y'all were going to show me how to control my food. Because my disease is not about, my, the biggest part of my disease is control. Like when I look at my list of foods, ingredients, and behaviors, my disease doesn't do stoplights. I don't do red, yellow, and green. I don't What's a yellow light? Like I'm either allergic or not. It's like being pregnant or not, right? And so I look at what have I tried to control? What have I stuffed into my body over and over again? So this text is teaching me the absolute nature of my of my disease. And I'm not in denial. I'm in delusional thinking. So if you put my children in front of me and I have this desire, I'm a good little girl. I want to stop eating. If I, it does not matter. I have no power, no choice, and no control. And the beauty of that is that if I can surrender finally, and I'm a hard-headed addict, then I get God, right? Like I surrender, 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 and doing these 12 steps. But I have to do the steps, and I do not have control. Like a lot of times I hear people say, you know, I just want to remember my last binge. That is important. But we're going to find out next paragraph, it doesn't matter if you remember. I remember my last binge, but I don't remember exactly how it felt. It's like I don't remember exactly how it felt to give birth the first time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had another baby, trust me, right? So I'm just so grateful today that I can live as a recovered woman and know I can't control anything. And that's not the point. Lack of power is my dilemma. And I got to get to God each and every time, whether I'm using food or other things. And uh, without ado, pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie G. And thank you, everyone to, who shared today and everyone on Team Monday. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, December 21st, 2020, 7 a.m. meeting is 6032. That's 16032. 
And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Barbara E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we, own, we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.